Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. Today's a solo podcast, except it's not really a solo podcast. We have Steve Mason joining the podcast. So I, I asked Steve, I'm like, Steve, can you come on the podcast, my solo podcast? He said, well, it really wouldn't be a solo podcast anymore. But you can see him on ESPN LA, or you can see him on Fox 11 on KTT, uh, KTTV in here in Los Angeles, or listen to him on ESPN LA 710 uh, with John Ireland. And they have podcasts, and you can see the live show in the afternoons. And you can follow him on Twitter, at Venice Mace. Uh, also, his website, stevemason.com, if you want to know all about Steve, all those different stuff he's done. He's been all over the media, done all different kinds of things. He's joining the show now. Steve, what's up, man? How you doing? It is so great to be on a solo podcast. And I'd like to say again, it it's clearly not solo anymore. <laughs> I love to hear you just read emails. Um, I love to hear you take phone messages. Although, always, you got to be less than a minute. Right. Or can't really play your message. <laughs> I am a religious Ryan Abraham Peristyle podcast listener. So uh, it's I'm I'm excited to be on. Steve, I really appreciate that. Yeah. So I came on your show this week and, and you said you got a lot of positive feedback from it. And I usually try not to pull any punches when we're on there and talk about, you know, what I felt was right, what I felt was wrong. And uh, and you started going off on the podcast. You knew every guest we've had, and it was kind of funny. I'm like, I I don't know if we've had you on before, but I'm like, oh, Steve, we actually, we got to have you on too. Yeah, I am a I'm a loyal listener. I like the uh, Coach Harvey Hyde Huddle Up and Buckle Up podcast. <laughs> I like the uh, Dan Weber, uh, I, and I mean this in a in a really warm way. Cranky Old Man podcast. <laughs> um, I like the <laughs> I like the Ryan Abraham solos. I mean, I'm here every week. I think the Peristyle podcast is is awesome, man. It's one of the things I use uh, to uh, get ready for games, and because uh, I do the uh, USC pregame, and uh, and also just to find out what Trojan fans are thinking. Yeah, well, thanks, Steve. I appreciate that, and it's fun. We had, we had uh, Gerard Martinez on. We had an emergency one on Monday because of all the big news, so we had Gerard come on too. He usually does like a lot of the recruiting stuff, but he's been kind of dialed into the the coaching th- everything and. Uh, Steve, you're a busy man. I don't know where you get time to do all this kind of stuff. Listen to podcasts because we see you on TV. We you hear you on the radio. You're you're always hanging with celebrities, doing certain things. Just you're always seem like a busy man. I believe I've lost you, Ryan. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, there you are. There you are. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, yeah, you dropped off for a second. Uh, I think you were saying busy man. Yeah, you know what? I I somebody uh, asked me when I work recently, and I said when I'm awake. Uh, <laughs> I I you know I work hard it's a fun it's a really fun gig but i say yes to every job because hell you never know when this is all going to dry up very true <laughs> yeah well one of your jobs is you work for pat hayden you work for usc um on the you know doing the the shows on the radio talking about the usc football team and so it's has it been a weird spot for you kind of talking about this because there's a lot of criticism about pat hayden and i i think most people like clay helton he's a very likable guy and and a lot of people feel he can do a good job but really, people had an issue with the process of how, how Pat Hayden got there and why they would hire him at the time they did and all of that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it is a weird – and, you know, I, I gave you this caveat the other day on the air is that, you know, Pat is 
Pat's not just my boss. I, he, he's a friend of mine. And so um, it's very hard for me to separate myself uh, from that because I know what a good duty is. I know how much he cares. I know how devastated he was uh, by what happened with uh, Steve Sarkeesian. And I know how badly he wants to get it right. Um, and I mean, I don't think he gets enough uh, credit. We all know he's incredibly, uh, he's incredibly wealthy guy, uh, wildly successful in, uh, in business and on the board of trustees. Uh, before he took this job, I really do believe he came in as a, you know, as a rescue guy, uh, to try to, try to save the program during its, its darkest time. Uh, and I don't know that every Trojan fan necessarily gives him, uh, credit for, for that. And I, I, as I said the other day, um, you know, people, generally have the idea i mean probably not on on your uh boards and and on your podcast but you know the broader public thinks he hired lane kiffin and he did not lane kiffin was handed to him when he got into the program that was a mike garrett hire um so really this he has had one football hire it didn't work he's acknowledged that he says it's on me um he had one basketball hire um, they took a very different approach. They did not, Andy Enfield did not go the one and done road. Uh, instead, he's trying to build a, a long-term sustainable program, not circled, uh, not centered on, on, uh, those one and done guys. And they're off to a really good start this year. I, I think a lot of people wrote off the Andy Enfield hire, um, after, uh, season two, maybe even after season one. And I still think that hire could work out. I think that could turn out to be a very good hire. Um, and, I am a fan of Clay Helton. My conversations um, with uh, people in the administration, not necessarily Pat, but within the administration, were all along that they really wanted Clay to coach his way into this job, that they that they like him, that he's a solid dude, that he's changed the culture, that he's changed the identity of the team, that there is more aggressiveness and more toughness and more of a desire to run the football we saw that at the end of the UCLA game when UCLA just, they basically got it shoved down their throat. Um, and to me, that's, you know, that's, that's USC football. We've had a lot of fun throwing the ball around the yard a lot, and we've had some great wide receivers and Juju spectacular. But uh, I love seeing Justin Davis carve it up. I love seeing Ronald Jones a second and thinking about who he uh, can potentially be um, down the line, and and Trey Madden is a bull when he's healthy. So, you know, I I, I like the things that he has done, um, and I think that there's a difference between winning the off season, hiring some big gigantic name, um, or and winning in the season, winning next year. Um, and so it's really hard. I mean, I remember the worst hire in USC football history. Um, it was uh, a guy named Pete Carroll, and it turned out to be the greatest <laughs> hire in USC football history. So I, I think people rush to judgment, but I, I, you know, I, I have faith that Clay is the right guy. You know, one thing you touched on there, Steve, when you said that people you talked to, they really wanted him to be able to coach his way into the job. And I think something that Pat Hayden said that, you know, I just didn't buy. And it's usually like when a professional athlete says it's not about the money. What is it usually about? It's about the money. When he said it wasn't about beating UCLA, I have a really hard time picturing that press conference happening and them hiring Clay Helton on Monday if USC lost to UCLA on Saturday. Yeah, I, you know, and again, this is this is my, 
this was a common theme with the people I talked to at uh, in the administration is that they they said, you know, it's not about I mean, prior to all this, that it wasn't about beating USA, uh, UCLA. It wasn't about it wasn't predicated on wins. But I don't know. You know, you go back to 2013. Steve Sarkeesian was hired on December the 2nd um, of that year. Um, Lane Kiffin, of course, was a January hire, uh, but it put him behind the eight ball a little bit. I mean, I think one of the things they wanted to establish right away, and we saw this from recruits all over Twitter and this next recruiting class, is they all thought, you know, great hire. Uh, you know, there was a sense of continuity. And my understanding is that Clay was in a um, a top recruits living room on uh, Monday night that that he was recruiting and already trying to build forward uh, and, you know, not not give up the jump on on some other schools who might have gotten to kids first. No, I think you're right. I think that they're continuity wise. It I think he's the right guy. And I think that, you know, I would have much rather seen a more national search and, and all that kind of go through. I mean, I was, I was pretty clear about that. But, you know, for what Clay Hilton brings to the table. I think they needed an adult. You know, they needed someone that's going to bring some stability, and I think he does that. The players love him, and I, I don't really put a whole lot of stock in that, but it certainly doesn't hurt. But for this current team, I think he's the 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 guy that would give you the best chance to actually beat Stanford and win the Rose Bowl and do all that. And then, you know, for the future, I'm not really sure. We'll we'll see what happens. But I think there's going to be added pressure, fair or not, on Clay Helton because usually you hire a coach. And you have eight months before they're coaching a game. Like the, you have the chance to win the offseason. Clay Helton doesn't really have a chance to win the offseason. He has five days till you play Stanford and then figure out which bowl you're going. And on, by the way, you open up against Alabama the next year. So I think there's a lot more pressure on Clay Helton being hired as the interim than I think just if you went out and got a big name and they got to retool everything and start things from scratch. Yeah. What, what will be interesting, I think, is, um, you know, if, USC does not beat Stanford on Saturday. And by the way, I, they're completely capable of beating Stanford. Sure. But if they don't beat Stanford, uh, they'll go to a bowl game. Uh, you don't exactly know what that matchup is, whether it'll be the Holiday Bowl or, or up in San Francisco, uh, but could draw a tough matchup if they don't win that and then they open with Alabama. It's possible that Clay could go 0 for his first three. Uh, then, then, you know, there will be a definite, uh, panic that, uh, ensues. Um, and I think that's kind of the existential fear amongst Trojan fans. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, let's say you don't beat Stanford. You go to a bowl game, you win. I think at that point, the slate becomes, uh, clean. I, I think at that point, you go to the Alabama game and, you know, I think USC will be an underdog and probably a decided underdog. Um, with a with a fresh or with a uh, a new quarterback and new starting quarterback, I, at that point I think it's just kind of house money, you know. I mean, it, you, you may not expect to beat Alabama. I mean, we want to beat Alabama, but if you lose to them, there's kind of no shame in that. Um, and as long as you perform credibly against Alabama, and again, I think they can win the game, you know. I I think that that sells a lot of people on Clay Helton. But you're right; these next three games are going to be critical to at least the emotional knee-jerk snap judgment that some uh, Trojan fans, hardcore Trojan fans, um, feel about uh, feel about Clay. You know, they kinda, this whole Clay Helton thing really overshadowed 
the big game, you know, the, the USC UCLA uh, battle, and and you were tweeting all kinds of stuff, memes and everything. It was pretty funny. And you know, if people don't know your on-air partner, John Ireland, is a UCLA grad, and you work for USC, so there's just been kind of you know back and forth thing going on. Did it make things a lot easier, you know, when USC beat UCLA for you for in, everything in your life? Oh my God, it was the relief of my lifetime. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, it was like the greatest thing that happened to me this year. Um, I, I cannot live in a world where, uh, UCLA has a four game winning streak over USC. I was, I was so nervous going into that game and I was so, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I couldn't have dealt with the, um, with the, uh, garbage from, uh, from Trojan or from, uh, Bruins fans from both Ireland and everybody else that I know and people on Twitter. <laughs> I just couldn't take it anymore. So I was, uh, unbelievably relieved when they won the game. Um, hey, I'm going to let you know that, uh, my show is going to start here in, in about, uh, three minutes. So, oh. uh, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to bail off of this. But, uh, the thing I was going to say about the, the UCLA win is that it is incredibly, um, unfortunate in this respect. We really didn't get a day to gloat. We did not, as Trojan fans, get a day uh, to say to the guy in the other cubicle um, or your friend down the street, ha-ha, which uh, <laughs> to me, <laughs> I always say when, you, when UCLA loses, to me it's like a big, frosty cup of fun. We really didn't get to enjoy our cup of fun, and we didn't get uh, a chance to to really gloat and celebrate what that team was able to do to out-physical a UCLA team that just beat them up last year, to uh, exert its will uh, on that UCLA team, to force a freshman quarterback who is apparently chosen by God to make big mistakes <laughs> in that game, uh, to celebrate the fact that Biggie Marshall, who's been picked on this year, um, was able to, as a, as an 18 year old, make uh, two gigantic interceptions. Um, you know, we didn't get a chance to celebrate, uh, Cody Kessler, who finally got a signature win, um, in his final game at the Coliseum. I mean, there were so many reasons to, uh, to really enjoy that game. And instead it turned into a referendum on Clay Helton. Um, which I, I think that's the one of the big downsides and one of the big disappointments about uh, the way the hire came down. We really didn't get – it became a referendum on Clay Helton instead of a celebration of uh, of a bunch of player seniors who beat UCLA for the very first time. Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see now because they were all playing for him to get hired. He's hired. Do they fight harder because he's now the head coach? Or do they not fight as hard because they really got that what they want? That's the one thing I want to I want to see this weekend. Yeah, no, we're absolutely going to find that out. I mean, there was motivation, you know, play for Clay. Let's get him the job. Um, I mean, there was a huge celebration that he got the job. Obviously, we saw in the locker room the celebration of players once they found out that he actually had the job. But does some of that motivation uh, slip away now? I, You know, I think that they, you know, that Stanford loss, first of all, they were up, weren't they up 21 to 10 in that game? Yeah. They were up 21 to 10. The idea that SC cannot play with Stanford is absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, if you've got a 21 to 10 lead uh, that slips away and you give up, what, the next uh, 21 points, um, I, I think that leaves a mark. And I think these players remember 
what that was like to watch that game drip, drip, drip away. So, um, you know, I, 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 my feeling is we, we got a great shot of winning on Saturday, great shot of winning. And, um, and then I think the, the conversation about Clay Helton changes again. Then you get the sense that, all right, then this Pac-12 championship game wins, Rose Bowl, maybe a really sexy matchup against Ohio State in Pasadena. All of a sudden, I think everybody gets a different feeling about Clay Helton. But this week is important uh, for Clay in that it will kind of define the way people feel about him for this entire offseason. And a, a nice warm feeling from beating Stanford um, will really control the dialogue all the way until the opener against Alabama. The great Steve Mason. Follow him on Twitter at Venice Mace. Steve, I know you got to go do your show. Thanks so much for taking some time with us. Now, now I want you to go ahead and read some emails and I'm going uh, to, play yeah. some voicemail messages. I mean, the solo podcast, I'm going to be listening later on. I want to hear the, you know, the full solo podcast action. I definitely will, Steve. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Rock. All right, that was Steve Mason um, joining the solo podcast. We actually thought it, I thought it was going to have him on longer. I didn't realize. I forgot he had to do a show, uh, so he was going to take off. But that was cool that it worked out great that we can do finish off the – it'll really be a solo podcast just with a little guest appearance by Steve Mason. So thanks for him coming by. He does a great job, so if you haven't checked him out, um, definitely do that. So I'll, I'm going to answer some of your questions. Um, we actually had, and I feel terrible, we had a voicemail – that it was supposed to be for Coach Harvey Hyde, and I wrote it down wrong. So I'm going to play it and listen and answer it. So I apologize for not doing it during the uh, Harvey Hyde show on Wednesday. But here you go. Hey, Ryan. This is Cece in Georgia. First off, congrats to USC for being the Bruins, and congrats to Cody Kessler. For what this kid has had to go through in his college career, he deserves a special honor, in my opinion. Okay, my question is for Coach Hyde. I understand that we are running the ball pretty good right now. But do you think Coach Helton is being too predictable with his play calling? I see a lot of running on first and second down, then pass on third. Should he be mixing it up more and passing on first or maybe second down so we can eliminate a lot of the three and out? Thanks, Coach and Ryan. Love the podcast. Fight on. Hey, CC, thanks for uh, calling in. And, uh, yeah, we love it. I, you know, I think there's a certain – predictability to part of what the that the USC offense does. We actually do that in the press box every once in a while. Not necessarily with the down and distance, but sometimes with the personnel groupings. So watch when Juju Smith comes out of the game, it's most likely a run. Uh, a lot of times we saw when Ronald Jones would come in, that's most likely a run. Um, and, you know, the third and long, there, there's just certain situations we kind of make a little game out of it in the press box. Um, but I think if you saw USC the last few years against UCLA, it really looked like UCLA was reading the playbook. They knew exactly what was going to happen. I don't think I didn't get that same sort of sense. And part of it is, you know, when USC is trying to trick you, when you're trying to do something that you don't expect, and if you know what's coming, then it's a it's a lot easier to defend. I think in this aspect, it was more of doing something that is harder to defend, where they're pounding the football, and especially what you saw in the fourth quarter, and Justin Davis getting 100 yards rushing. I think there, if you know you're going to run, but you're just bowling people over it's okay um so i think there's a little there's some certain aspect of that we won't really know he hasn't changed a whole lot um he's changed as much as he can but you're not going to see sweeping changes uh and i don't think you'll see that until after the bowl game where who knows if they get he goes out and gets a a new offensive coordinator they run you know they'll probably run a similar scheme to what he's doing now but someone else is kind of running the show or if he continues to do it himself 
Uh, we just don't know at this point. Um, but yeah, so good question there. Thanks, and I'm sorry I didn't have that have that on for Coach Harvey Hyde. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Kevin and Montebello. I had to cut this down because it was pretty long. Uh, I'm shocked at the hire and the timing of the hire. I've been watching USC football since John Robinson's first tenure, and I don't understand the last two hires by Hayden. I won't even start about the Sark hire, but as far as Clay Helton, it seems he's a good, upstanding man and a solid football coach. However, when I think of a USC caliber head coach, I think of a coach who is in the top three to five of the country. I think of Meyer, Carroll, or Saban. This job is not for coaches who need uh, on-the-job training. The timing of the situation also behooves me. Thanks and fight on. Kevin and Montebello. No, I, I mean, I agree with you 100%. I do feel that Clay Helton can be the man. I think he really, for right now, like for today, they needed someone like him. And he was already there. But they needed the adult in the room. They needed someone that was not going to get USC uh, in the headlines and on TV for the wrong reasons. And that's exactly what's been happening. You know, if it's, you know, Sark's escapades or Josh Shaw or Kiffin doing all the kind of crazy things Kiffin would like to do. I don't think the administration wanted that, and I feel, feel that they felt Clay Helton was going to be a guy that would, if they're in the news, you know, if they're in the headline, the front page, if they're on, you know, the, your mobile phone blowing it up because of all these alerts from USC, it's because they did something great, not because something was awful and everyone's coming down. I mean, I can't tell you how many drop everything moments we've had covering USC over these past few years, where you're, you know, you're looking at your phone or whatever, Twitter, boom, this press release comes out. Holy crap. All right, you got to drop everything. And for the next couple of days, your life is hell because you're covering this huge story that has nothing to do with the season and just something going on at USC. But no, I, I agree with you. I think USC is a top five job and they should have at least been interviewing top five candidates. Just look at all of the news that's breaking on Twitter and everything right now as far as candidates go. You're hearing when someone interviews for a job, you're hearing things about it. And, you know, I don't I don't believe USC had formal interviews with really anybody um, during this coaching search. And to be able to hire someone two days after the regular season ended, that was like what Steve Mason was saying. The guys from within really wanted him to be the guy. And I think the last time they hired someone, they really wanted Sark to be the guy. So did they really look and, uh, you know, check out all these other people? No, because they kind of had their guy in-house. That's what they wanted. And the problem is, the last three times USC's hired a coach, and I know Pat Hayden didn't do, like Steve Mason said, Pat Hayden wasn't the guy who hired Lane Kiffin. He was on the board of trustees at the time, though, so he was definitely involved in that. But you've got all three, you know, USC assistant coaches. It's all from within. It's all within the family. And I think this would have been the perfect opportunity to kind of go outside the family. Um, yeah, it's a weird situation. But the, the fact that you made this terrible hire two years ago put you in this weird situation it doesn't mean do the easy thing by keeping the guy local you know that was basically brought into the university by lane kiffin and that's why clay helton is here um great guy i you know i think he's going to do pretty well and i think you could you could not you could do well at usc just by not screwing up and i don't see clay helton's not the kind of guy that's going to go screw it up lane kiffin screwed things up steve sarkeesian certainly screwed things up i don't think clay helton will now will he get you to greatness we just don't know I think he'll be certainly competent. I think he'll do a good job. I think the players are going to fight for him. How long is that going to go on? Um, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, that's uh, hopefully that answered your question. We have Earl of West L.A. He wrote in. He said, your Twitter poll, and this was as of a couple of days ago. I'll have to check it now. Had 1,522 respondents with 57% favoring the hiring of Clay Helton as the USC head coach. 
The Los Angeles Times had a similar poll with uh, 1,826 respondents and had 80% agree with the hire. He said, you appear to have as many followers as the LA Times. So these are Twitter polls. And I can't, well, I usually use TweetDeck, and I cannot see Twitter polls on TweetDeck, but you have to do it on the native app or um, you know, the web page or whatever. But I've been doing more polls lately. We did that whole, we're still not done yet. We have the uh, final four now. And we're, uh, you know, voting. It was the USC coaching bracket. We were voting from 32 names all the way down to one. Who do the fans want to see as the next USC head coach? So I was doing that on Twitter polls. But after the hire, I put out a poll. Yet it was very simple, yes or no. Um, and it was it was pretty even. 57% favored hiring Clay Helton. And, uh, you know, 43% did not. The LA Times one was a lot higher, 80%, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I don't know if I have, like, more critical uh, USC fans on my following or my, you know, my list of followers or what, I'm not really sure, but thanks for Earl. Uh, thanks Earl for pointing that one out. Let's move on Lamar in Lancaster. And, uh, these are all dedicated to Steve Mason, by the way, cause he does love when I read off people's questions. So thanks Steve. I wanted to read Steve some questions, but he had to go do a show. Maybe we'll do We'll have him on again. We'll have him do that next time. So I noticed uh, certain changes Clay has implemented on both sides of the ball. The team runs more utilizes the tight end and fullback in the red zone. And since uh, he has stepped in as the head coach, I see a more aggressive defensive approach. It appears that Clay has had input on the defensive side of the ball. Would this be any indication among the obvious that he will make a change uh, at that coaching spot to give himself uh, more time to concentrate on offense? I'd like SC to hire the Washington defensive coach to coach Clay's defense, Lamar and Lancaster. Uh, no, Washington's had a great defense this year. And they lost four guys that were the top, you know, four of the top 44 picks in the NFL draft from the Washington defense alone. And they still have the top defense in the Pac-12. And that Chris Peterson and his staff. But the last defensive coordinator you got came from the University of Washington. Probably wouldn't go back to that well again, um, even though it's a different thing. I do feel there's going to be a lot of shakeup, mostly on the defensive side of the ball. He could bring in a big offensive coach and, and be more of a, uh, you know, just a, a manager of the team. But I think he's going to be involved in everything no matter what. I don't think he's going to hire a defensive coach and never look at the defensive side of the ball. I think he likes that. He's talked about that at practice yesterday. And, I mean, I think that's a really good aspect where a lot of times you get an offensive coach, I mean, Link Kiffin especially, buried in his play chart. And when the defense has the ball, it's almost like he's not even concerned. Just let me know what happens and I'm going to get the, the, the offense going again. That's not what Clay Helton does. He's on the headset listening in. Uh, as the, the defensive calls are being made, he has his offensive assistants kind of preparing the next drive. He's not doing that. He's involved in the defense so and the special teams. So thanks, Lamar. For that one, we have Andrew. He said, hey, Ryan, love the show. Thank you, Andrew. Quick question. Why do you, uh, why do you think as the season went on under Helton, we saw less playing time from Osa Messina? So there have definitely been some shakeup in the linebackers. Now, Osa's been dinged up, and he's probably going to be able to play uh, against Stanford. There was some of the injury aspect, but sometimes I think they're just moving guys around. And, we, you know, if you look at shotgun, does a great job of putting the, uh, participation chart up on uscfootball.com after the games. He has the one up from UCLA and you can see some guys get demoted. Sometimes guys get moved around. Scott Felix was start. I think he started every game and he became the third string rush end, uh, against UCLA. So I think they're mixing things up a little bit. And I think when, They've changed the philosophy a little more, playing more man. Um, and, and I just feel like they're using guys they feel can get in there and make plays. So I keep watching it. I think some of it's 
performance-based, but I think a lot of it was when he was injured too. But they're moving guys around as far as where they are in the depth chart. I mean, Don Hill playing. We hadn't seen him uh, most of the year, and he came in and was the second-team rush end ahead of Scott Felix and, and got a lot of reps. So thanks uh, for that one. We have one more um, voicemail question. Let me play this one for you. Hi, Ryan. Robin Yakaya. Just wanted to call and talk a little bit about it. I know you guys have been talking about um, about coaching staff potential changes and that type of thing for Clay when he about comes to evaluate the staff and tries to improve the staff. Uh, two people of interest I think he should probably look at is um, Kennedy Paul at UCLA, uh, Trojan himself, and, and uh, the second person I would try to pursue to bring back would be Ken Norton Jr., now, whether it's a defensive coordinator position or another position on the defense, I think by adding you want to return to a physical style, I think you need to get a couple of physical physical guys back on the staff and one on offense and one on defense, I think, would really benefit, um, you know, the changes that Clay's trying to make. I think that would be great. Hopefully, you know, he can look into that and see if that could be that could, that could happen or not. But anyway, this could be for, for Dan or Coach. doesn't really matter. Anyway, love the podcast. Thanks. Take care. Oh, sorry. I cut you off there, Jay. Um, yeah, okay. So here's my thoughts on the assistant coaches. Be- before, I didn't really want to talk about assistant coaches because USC didn't have a head coach. Now they do. Now USC has a head coach. They still have games to play, so there, there won't be staff changes until after the season. People are asking me on Twitter, well, who's going to who's going to hire for the offensive coordinator right now? There's no staff positions open. Lenny Vandermade was a graduate assistant. They, uh, they um, promoted him. He's now a full-time assistant, so... You can have nine full-time assistant coaches. Clay was one of them. Sark's gone. Clay became the head coach. They had one assistant spot open. Lenny Vandermade was um, promoted, and now he's another. You know, he's on the staff. So they still have their nine guys right now. I do believe there will be a pretty big shakeup after the season uh, when they hire some assistant coaches. My thought on when you keep with Clay Helton, you stick with Clay Helton, and you're someone from within. I think you need more outside influences. I don't think you have to go back to, hey, I've heard of that guy. Let's bring him in. I've heard of that guy. Let's bring him in. I think, you know, Kennedy, Kennedy Palomalu now, you know, he's over at UCLA. I think he would probably like to return to USC. I think he's a, a actual real candidate. I would not be surprised if that happened somehow, um, depending on, you know, what everything goes down. But for the most part, Ken Norton Jr., he's a defensive coordinator in the NFL right now with the Raiders, and they're doing well. I don't see him coming back to be the defensive coordinator at USC. And I don't necessarily think you you need to go that way. I mean, I would go get a college, you know, just kick-ass defensive coordinator that you can say, you know, this is the best defensive coordinator we've ever seen. He's awesome. You control the defense. And, uh, you know, Clay will come in and check it out. But I think they need to do something like that. People have mentioned Clancy Pendergast, but that's because people know him. He was here for one year and it did really well, at least was aggressive and, you know, had some bad games too. But I think even you want to go out and they can't be playing paying Clay all that much. They should have plenty of money for assistant coaches. Um, so go out and get a, just a kick-ass defensive coordinator who's from outside that has nothing to do with USC, like I thought they should do for the head coaching hire, um, and do something like that. So I, that's kind of where I feel on that. But most people want to mention guys they know because they, they've heard of him. They saw him at USC before. Um him, like Tommy Robinson, who's at Texas now, he's another good running back coach that I, I thought did a good job. But I kind of would prefer just get people that are like completely outside that 
have great resumes. Clay Helton does not have a great resume to be a head coach at USC. Like he might do a great job, but if you compare his resume to anyone else that's a head coach in the top 25 right now, he's got the least experience and this is a top five job. So I think you have to go out and get great resume assistant coaches. That's my opinion. Peter in Fullerton says, first off, thanks for your extensive coverage. Uh, you and the team have provided these last few days. Feels like you guys have been working around the clock. I, I, I share your sentiment. Peter, I feel like we've been doing that. This is our fourth. Well, I've done a butt more. That's actually my fifth USC podcast of the week. I've done a Pac-12 podcast. I'm going to do another Pac-12 podcast. So I think I'm done after uh, this one. So we did, I actually did mention this. We did a live one, and uh, we put it up on uscfootball.com. We're going to try to do a live uh, radio show, internet show, on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We're calling it Peristyle Live. So we did one with my buddy Tony D, who's uh, he works for ESPN Radio as well, and we did it yesterday. You can see the the on uscfootball.com. I posted it on the message boards. We didn't really promote it a lot, but it'll be a live show. So while we're talking, you can actually put in the chat room, uh, you know, put your questions in there, and then we will answer them. All right, anyway, back to Peter's question. He said, much has been said about Helton simply being a really nice guy. You mentioned many times he's always positive. That's great. But sometimes that style is taken advantage of or simply doesn't work. Have you observed a tough side to him where he can bring the hammer down when necessary? Also, can you provide an update on Coach Stark? Um, that's from Peter. Yeah, you know, I we I think we've seen him. He's, he is a very nice guy. He's a genuinely nice guy. I think he's a very honest guy. I think he's a what you see, what you get. And I think a lot of the players appreciate that. But if you see the style of play, he's like, I mean, that's it's tough. And he values guys like Juju Smith, who are tough players. And he he will go out of his way to talk about the, the Nico Fallas of the world who come in there and they're four string and they haven't played really center before. And they're playing against UCLA and Kenny Clark and, and doing a great job. So I think he definitely brings that level of toughness. I'm curious because there's so many aspects to being a head coach. He'll be great with, I think, alumni and boosters. I mean, very nice, very good, you know, great personality. You don't have to worry about Lane Kiffin kind of stuff. Will he be very tough when you have to make the tough decisions like firing a coach? Um, I'm curious to see that. I, I'm sure he can, but we haven't really had to see him do anything like that because he hasn't been a head coach. He hasn't had to make those kind of decisions. He hasn't made those decisions on the recruiting side. There's a lot of things that go into being a head coach that because he's never done it before, we just don't know. Um, but I think there's going to have to be major changes on the staff. I'm, I'm sure he's capable of doing it, but I just, I almost want to hear like, hear what he has to say when he says, I got rid of this coach, um, because he is so nice. I'm very curious to see how that all goes down, but I, I don't, I don't, I have confidence that he'll be able to do it. Um, we just haven't had, he hasn't been in that position before. So we just don't know. And an update on coach Sark. We don't really know. We haven't heard anything. He hasn't tweeted and we haven't got any word. Um, but he did, at least uh, Clay Helton said he got a text from Steve Sarkeesian congratulating him. So to me, I don't, usually if you're in some sort of rehab where you're isolated and um, you, know, you don't, you wouldn't be able to do something like that. Um, so that's, that's interesting to me that, that, you know, it doesn't sound like he's in, at least right now, in some sort of isolated rehab where you're just closed out from the outside world. So we really don't know much else on Steve Sarkeesian, but um, the fact that he was able to send a text now, he tweeted like a month or two ago, whatever it was. And, you know, that could have been a family or an agent or something like that. And maybe, you know, maybe the text came from someone that visited Sarkeesian and passed it along. But if it's a text from Steve, 
to Clay, then he's probably not in some kind of facility where you're you just cut off from the world. Um, all right. So, but, but that's all we know right now. Jarrett, he said, personally, I'm not upset with the hiring of Helton. A little more bothered by Pat Hayden, but I'm sure, and he spells Hayden, H-A-Y-D-E-N. It's H-A-D-E-N, people, just Pat Hayden. Uh, but You guys should know that by now, okay? Uh, but I'm sure you or another caller will get to that. With so many Trojan fans and alumni on the fence about the hiring and the constant pressure of the Trojan's success, how short will Clay Helton's leash be? Meaning, a few big losses strike up a conversation we've been having for the past month. Oh, he said, meaning will a few big losses strike up the conversation we've been having for the last month. Um, Yeah, so I think there's a long leash. He's got a five-year guaranteed contract. Now, how much of his contract? I have a hard time picturing he's getting more than $3 million a year. We just don't know. But that buyout, if you had to buy out the entire contract today, would be $15 million. I mean, that's what Les Miles' contract buyout is. And what we heard from um, Mark Stoops at Kentucky his buyout's even more than that. So I think if after two years, I mean, it's not going to be too expensive for USC to get out of it. At least, at least what's be left on his contract. They might have other terms and stuff in there. We don't know about it. Um, I just don't think there's, there's a very short leash. I think they're dedicated to Clay Helton, but they were dedicated to Steve Sarkeesian too. And I don't think Sarkeesian would have been fired for the performance on the field, even though a lot of people felt he should have been. It really was the off-the-field stuff that got him fired. So I think you're going to see the same thing. Would anything happen? As long as he keeps his nose clean, and even if they're bad, probably not for three years, I wouldn't think you know anything would happen there. I think USC and Clay Helton are together in this, but you bring up that there's pressure on him for sure, and we talked about it with Steve Mason earlier with the games he has coming up, and there are people on the fence. And I think a lot of people, you know, to – to Pat Hayden, you know, to give some uh, cre- what you know, credence to what Pat Hayden said. Um, I mean, he said, well, he said it wasn't about UCLA, but I think the timing of after the UCLA game made it more popular with fans, and especially fans that are on the fence. They kind of forgot about getting beat by twenty. That's Clay Helton's team that got beat by twenty at Oregon and looked terrible and gave up more touchdown passes than any USC team in the history of USC football. So that happened seven days before they beat UCLA and nine days before he was hired. So it's not like it's that some distant past. It wasn't his first game like it was Notre Dame. That really happened. So the pendulum swung one way after losing to Oregon and really swung back after beating UCLA. That was the perfect time. If you're if you're Pat Hayden and you want to hire him no matter what, that was the, the high mark. That was where you could have done it, and he did. But it could, you know, Stanford crushes USC – that pendulum could swing right back. And it, you know, that's, that's tough. It's tough on Clay Helton because he's has to coach a game five days after he was hired as a permanent head coach. Um, but you know, they, it could be good. It could make a run. You could win the Rose bowl. And then it makes Pat Hayden's decision look much better. They could lose to Stanford, lose in the bowl game. And it makes his decision look that much worse. So I think those people are kind of on the fence or like, Oh, you know, I'm pretty cool with it. If USC loses the next two games, then I don't think they'll be as cool with it. So, it, yeah, it's. I don't think he's on a short lease, Jarrett, but um, there's a lot of pressure on him because the fan base is not going to be happy uh, because it's a, question, it's a questionable hire, no matter what you say. It was very – a lot of people were questioning it. They were couldn't believe that it actually went down that way. It wasn't like some – you know, it wasn't like some people. There was a lot, a lot of people that were very, you know, questionable. They were questioning what was going on there. 
All right, David, we have a couple more and then we'll be done. David says, I understand you are a Heisman voter. I am, David. As of right now, who are your hot candidates and who are the hot candidates in your eyes? This year's Heisman race seems underwhelming. Also, can you foresee anyone on this USC team being a candidate in the coming years? Thanks. Fight on, David. Um, yeah, you know, I've kind of we've got away from the running backs for years now. And I'm real I'm gonna put all three running backs on my ballot, I believe. We're not allowed to talk about who I probably shouldn't even tell you that, but we're not allowed to talk about who we're voting for and stuff. But you know, like Derek Henry looks like he's gonna be the runaway guy. Um, I like Christian McCaffrey a lot. Um, I like Dalvin Cook a lot. Um, at Florida State, and uh, you know, it's just I, I kind of just like the the running backs more this year. As far as who could win the Heisman, the best offensive player for USC will be Juju Smith, but he won't win the Heisman because receivers just don't win the Heisman. You'd have to do a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, he's not, you know, this dynamic kick returner. I think of anyone, it would have to be someone like Adoree Jackson. As of right now, you know, maybe. You know, Ronald Jones is is capable of doing that, too. Like he could be get, you know, the tailback you depending on what the offense is next year and all that kind of stuff. But I think Adore Jackson, who'd be a junior, um, you know, likely his last year, if he can play more on offense and they feel more comfortable in the secondary, you know, maybe he gets a couple pick sixes, um, you know, some interceptions, definitely more than he has this year. You get interceptions. If they say they play more man coverage, he gets more picks. Maybe returns a couple of them for touchdowns, gets rushing touchdowns, uh, you know, gets some uh, passing touchdowns. I mean, get, you know, he, receiving touchdowns, but also ends up throwing a pass for a touchdown, goes in, kicks an extra point, um, and does stuff like that. And of course, returns kicks and punts. So you get like a punt return, a kickoff return for a touchdown. This will be like kind of Curtis Conway back in the day. He could throw a pass for a touchdown. He could catch a pass for a touchdown. He could run a touchdown in. He could return an interception for a touchdown. That would be six different ways. And then maybe he kicks an extra point or a field goal or something. That would be scoring seven different ways. I think that would be um, an, a, an ideal way for him to be able to do that. So uh, so he, he could do it, but it would be have to be like this dynamic thing. He would be this weird kind of candidate that scores all these different ways. And I think they would have to make a conscious effort to do that. Hey, we're going to try to get a Dory Jackson in to games it's a blowout game let them kick the extra point you know just so there's these boxes you can kind of check off so we'll see i mean those are kind of my thoughts on the heisman and who usc could have in the future we got one last one this is from jason he said again usc has hired a man uh, at a, has hired a man at a top 25 program that is not on any school's hire list whatsoever uh that's unfortunately that's true first of all why not wait a couple of weeks i'm beginning to believe pat hayden purposely trying to hurt the University of Southern California. A top five program should have a top five head coach. Now, I don't, I don't think Pat Hayden's trying to hurt the school, uh, certainly at all. He's a, he's a Trojan legend. He loves USC. Um, he loves USC football. I don't have any questions about any of that. I do question a lot of the decisions he's made, and no one at, at, at a school as prestigious as USC or pretty much anyone in the top 25, or likely anyone in the top 50, was going to hire Clay Helton to be the head coach. He could have gone to Memphis, potentially. We don't know uh, if they would have hired him, but there, there was certainly potential there. Or a program like Houston, um, potential there. But you're not talking about Power 5 schools that would hire him, and USC did. Now, he was coaching at USC, and he got that opportunity. 
I don't think Ed Orgeron would have got the same kind of opportunity either. And USC, well, apparently was considering him. It didn't look like they considered him at all. But because of the situation he was in, it's kind of like the vice president, you get to become president. Now, would you have uh, you know, liked to have him be the president? No, but he was in the right position at the right time, got promoted, and got an opportunity to show what he could do. Um, and he did. And I think he impressed Pat Hayden and the players and, and the recruits and everybody enough. I, I'm in your camp, though. I think they should have at least waited a while. And he's not going anywhere. People say, oh, the people, no one's going to hire him away. If he had a chance to be USC's head coach, and they said, we're going to look at a couple huge, huge candidates, and if those don't work out, you're going to be our guy. So wait a couple weeks. If Memphis doesn't want to wait two weeks for you, I mean, you really want that job anyway. So I don't think there's any reason that USC had to do it because they were worried someone's going to hire Clay Helton away. There was no one that we heard of that was trying to you know, knock down his door to hire him, except USC. So, yes, I, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense you're hiring another former USC assistant. I felt the best time, this was the opportune time to go outside. And, you know, maybe the administration doesn't want to bring in a huge name from outside. And I, I kind of think that's something to do with it, where they upset the apple cart and they make sweeping changes and they change the culture for real, not change the philosophy on offense or whatever, like change the culture in the John McKay center. Like this isn't going to happen this way. Like if a chip Kelly came in, he would change a lot of things. He might close practice to the media. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't advocate that. I would hate that. But those are the kind of things where you get a big name guy to come in. He's going to, and they're, you know, a highly paid head coach. It's got head coaching experience and winning head coach experience. He's going to tell you what he wants, and this is how I'm going to be successful. Clay Helton's not going to come in there and say, change that, change that, change that to the administration. He's never done this before. So this is what he knows. And so there's a familiarity to that, that you know, being familiar with what USCRA does, I think that was appealing to Pat Hayden, the administration. I don't think that's the right way or a good reason for that to happen, but I kind of think that had something to do with it. So, all right, well. That's our solo podcast with special appearance by Steve Mason. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm not going to do any more Parastyle podcasts this week. My voice is about shot. But hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. we got a quick message for you, for you um, from our buddies over at Circle Marketing. Uh, thanks to them, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Welcome back to the show, folks. We're downtown today looking for small business owners. Here's one now. Excuse me, who's handling the marketing for your business? Marketing? My nephew did our Facebook page and the website, but I didn't really see results. I'm just too busy trying to build my business to focus on that stuff. Maybe I have to hire a professional. Well, did you know Circle Marketing's entire team of marketing experts can help you grow your business? Really? But can Circle Marketing handle my social media updates? Yes. New website design? Yep. Online advertising? Sure thing. Make a professional video? Oh, yeah. Help me with marketing strategy? Absolutely. Can they walk my dog, Harriet? Um, no, that's not marketing. Oh, okay. Well, we were on a roll there. So where can I find more information about Circle Marketing? That's easy. Go to circlemarketing.com. When you're ready to hire a professional, full-service marketing company, contact Circle Marketing. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. 
And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 